Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Tyson Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors who will be joining us this day. Please know you're always very welcome here at Trinity Lutheran Church. And we've now come to the second of our three Gesima Sundays. This is Sexagesima Sunday, and that, uh, that word comes from the Latin, as it is now roughly 60 days from Easter. It's not a, a perfect uh, accounting of time, but it is rather an approximation, which lets us know that we are approaching Lent and ultimately the celebration of Easter. So the focus today is on God's word alone, and for that I'll send your attention then to the inside of the back cover of your bulletin where we do have that focused on Christ section, a summary of today's readings. The sower sows the seed of his word. This word is living and powerful to conceive new life in those who hear it. But the planting of Christ is attacked by the devil, the world, and the flesh. Satan snatches the word away from hard hearts. The riches and pleasures of life choke off faith. Shallow and emotional belief withers in time of temptation and trouble. But see how Christ bears this attack for us. Christ's cross was planted in the hard and rocky soil of Golgotha. A crown of thorns was placed upon his head. Satan and his demons hellishly hounded and devoured him. Yet, through his dying and rising again, he destroyed these enemies of ours. Jesus is himself the seed which fell to the ground and died in order that it might sprout forth to new life and produce much grain. In him, the weak are strong. He is the word of the Father, which does not return void, but yields a harvest a hundredfold. And we do rejoice to receive the Lord's body and blood this day. And as it is taught in Scripture, we are to be in fellowship with one another, not just in terms of what we believe concerning the sacrament, but what we confess uh, in the entirety of Uh, of of our Christian faith. And so then we do ask that those joining us at the Lord's table be members either of this congregation or a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, where then we can join together and receive these blessings which the Lord gives us in his body and blood, namely the forgiveness of sins and the promise of life everlasting. Our service this day is Divine Service Setting 3. As it begins on page 184, we now sing the first hymn. Let us pray. O God, the strength of all who put their trust in you, mercifully grant that by your power we may be defended against all adversity. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. The Old Testament reading for Sexagesima is from Isaiah chapter 55. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the word of the Lord. 
The epistle is from Hebrews chapter 4. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 8th chapter. When a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to Jesus, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and yielded and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they heard the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, They are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for those in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please be seated. Our sermon text for this Sexagesima Sunday is really the entirety of the gospel in so many ways. But in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 5, we hear this. When a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, Jesus said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. You know, when you read through the Old Testament and epistle lessons for today, you come away with the thought that there's nothing that the Word of God can't do. We are told the Word will not return to God empty. It will accomplish the Lord's purposes and succeed in the thing for which He sends it. And then in the epistle, we are told the Word of God is living and active, Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It sounds impressive, and indeed it is, thanks be to God. But when we look around at the world we're living in, and we see the sinful darkness and the delusion that is all around us, 
Well, I wouldn't blame you if you, well, started to feel a little cynical at times. If God's word is so great, why is the world so bad? If God's word is so effective, why does it look impotent? Well, the parable of the sower helps us to understand. As he explains the parable to his 12 disciples, Jesus makes it clear that there is nothing wrong with the seed that is the word of God. The seed of the word is everything God says it is, and it does exactly what he says it does. However, as we are taught, not all soil is the same. There are four situations, four types of soil, if you will, mentioned in the parable. The first is the seed which fell on the stone path. The second is the seed that fell among the rocks. The third is the seed that fell among thorns. And the fourth is that seed that falls in good soil. Now, we'll take up each of those four soils today, but first, a word about the sower. Notice that Jesus sows the seed of his word graciously, even gratuitously. Some would even say wastefully and foolishly. Jesus sows his word in this manner because his desire is for all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The Lord sows his seed in joy. Looking forward to the plentiful harvest, he knows he will reap when his chosen people, clothed in his righteousness, enter the gates of paradise on the last day. This parable before us today is as convicting as it is comforting. Our Lord holds nothing back. So then, let us dig in. First, there's the seed on the path. Now, Martin Luther, he has great insight on this. He notes that Christ is not talking about bold-faced pagans here, but rather people who are gathered to hear the word of God, to hear the preaching of Christ. He notes that the seed sown on the path may on the outside look like pious Christian people who desire God's word. However, Satan comes. And he snatches the word from their hardened hearts that they may not believe and be saved. Now, it begs the question, what does this look like? Well, think of the phrase, in one ear and out the other. That is how it is with some who hear God's word. Another way to get to the answer is by asking another question. And that is, what is the devil's chief weapon? Lies. Deception. As Christ teaches us in John 8, the devil has been a liar and a murderer from the beginning, starting with our first parents in the garden. When the devil lies, he speaks his native tongue. Knowing this, well, just look around at the world we live in today, folks. We are surrounded by lies and deception of the most wicked variety everywhere. Everything God calls good, the devil calls evil. The old evil foe has hissed his lies into the ears of the masses, and we see the fruit of that all around us. Authorities are mocked from the outside and or corrupted on the inside. People cry out in the public square demanding the consequence-free murder of unborn children. Marriage is in shambles, broken by unfaithfulness, abuse, pornography, bitterness, cynicism, and a government system which rewards divorce. And yet despite this, the statistics, if you look for them, they show quite clearly that those who marry young in their 20s without having cohabitated first, they have it best. Against everything our culture preaches and teaches those marriages, they prove strongest over time. Still, the devil rages on. The created order of this world is simple, but the devil, he sows confusion and chaos. Something as simple as male and female has been infected with a delusion, a myriad of gender possibilities which are ultimately a fantasy. A lie crafted by the one who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. 
This is why the devil is pictured in Jesus' parable as a ravenous bird swooping in to devour and destroy the seed on the stony path which is trampled underfoot. For those who are the seed on the path, their end is destruction. Why? The seed of God's word fell upon them, but they hardened their hearts to it. They loved the darkness and lies of Satan instead of the truth and light of Christ's saving death and resurrection. The good news for them. Or as St. John said, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Second, there is the seed that fell among rocks. Now these are people who hear the word of God and receive it with joy but do not persevere in the one true faith. Luther notes that these are also a large multitude who understand the word correctly. And they lay hold of the word in its purity without any spirit of sect, division, or fanaticism. Think denominationalism. They rejoice also in that they know the real truth of God's word and are able to know how they may be saved without works through faith in Christ. They also know that they are free from the bondage of the law of their conscience and of human teachings. But when it comes to the test that they must suffer, harm, disgrace, loss of life or property, then they fall and deny it. That is, they deny the word, for they have not root enough and are not planted deep enough in the soil. Luke speaks of not having enough moisture. Matthew, in his parallel to this parable, speaks of the scorching sun which shines upon those planted in the rocks. These folks are a tragedy. After all, these are people who've heard the word and believed it by the power of God's spirit. These are Christians. And yet when persecution comes, they abandon Christ and his word. When the heat of persecution beats down upon them, they fall away like a plant sown in a rock which quickly sprouts and brings hope to all who behold it, only to wither and die in the scorching heat because it had no root, no moisture. Dear saints, persecution comes in many ways. Now, it is true that we are not experiencing the true persecution, if you will, capital P, that our spiritual forebears endured in Roman Colosseums being burned, beaten, crucified, and fed to wild animals. Nevertheless, we are experiencing a persistent and calculated antagonism in our culture. It is a growing intolerance, which may someday lead not to offering a pinch of incense to Caesar, which was then an act of worship two centuries ago, but rather today a coerced confession of allegiance to a rainbow flag featuring a raised fist of revolution. For now, the pressure you experience may be, well, much more dialed down, but still nevertheless there. It may be your pagan friends who persistently chide you for your Christian faith, especially when it comes to matters of family, marriage, and child rearing. Or instead of cultural pressure, it may be resistance to the truth of the gospel itself. It may in fact be your Christian but non-Lutheran family and friends who insist that you are going to hell because you have not made a decision for Jesus. Never mind that Christ already made a decision for you, and he gave his life for you on the cross, declaring from that very cross, it is finished, accomplished, and fulfilled. Never mind that Christ has already sealed your salvation in holy baptism, which is the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit spoken of in Titus 3, and the new birth of water and of the Spirit Christ himself speaks of in John 3. These very well-meaning family and friends insist that you must add something to Christ's seemingly incomplete work for you with your supposed soul-saving decision-making abilities. O oh Lord, have mercy on us and del deliver us from such pernicious lies. 
Whether it's the delusions of the woke mob, the persistent impiety of pagan friends, or uncomfortable pressure from friends and family with poor theology, we experience resistance to Christ's purely taught word all the time, everywhere we go. Now, the other side of such persecution or antagonism is silence. This is the fearful unwillingness to speak the truth when confronted with lies. We experience this often as well. Now, it might be a work conference, a social gathering, or that proverbial water cooler conversation where someone just kind of lays out a blatant lie concerning Christ, the truth of his word, or the natural order of this God-created world. Do you speak? Do you confess? Or do you remain silent? Now, remember Christ's word that he planted in your hearts, dear Christians. Jesus told his disciples such times of confession would come. He told them, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. This is in part why the memorization of scripture, the catechism, and good hymnody is so fruitful to, to us. To speak the words of Jesus, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Third is the seed that fell among thorns. Jesus said, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Those that fell among the thorns are not carried off by the devil's lies and the delusions of the sinful world. No, they are burned up, or, nor are they burned up with the heat of persecution. Rather, these, the seed that fell among the thorns, oh, they have it easy. For it is the cares and pleasures of life that choke them off, leaving them spiritually immature, spiritually unfruitful. Luther puts it like this. These have all in the word that is needed for their salvation, but they do not make any use of it. And they rot in this life in carnal pleasures, that is, fleshly pleasures. To these belong those who hear the word, but do not bring under subjection their flesh. There's no discipline in them. They know their duty, but they don't do it. They teach, but they do not practice what they teach. And they are this year the same as they were the last. Dear saints, if nothing in this sermon has stung yet, this one may. And it stings your pastor as well. Christ is talking about our spiritual apathy, our indifference. Jesus has said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it, that is, guard it, hold it fast. For those among the thorns, they have heard the word of God and their response is, is this Sunday? Ah, well, you know, whatever. Just turn off the alarm. We'll catch, it on the, we'll catch it online later. It's basically the same thing as being there, right? This has become today's version of the generation's old excuse for Christians who would rather hunt, fish, golf, sleep in, fill in the blank, than be where Christ is present in his word and sacrament to forgive your sins, to heal you, to feed you, to comfort you, to console you, to teach you with the words of eternal life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, yes, the word of God is powerful and it does what it says it does, but the word of God also assumes that you'll physically be with the body of Christ where Jesus is for the purpose of hearing his word read, preached, taught, sung, chanted, and prayed. Your heavenly Father wants you standing with your brothers and sisters in Christ, your fellow sinners who have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, absolved by his word and fed with his true body and true blood for your forgiveness, life, and salvation, the bread of heaven itself. In other words, be where Christ is for you. 
It's his gift for you. It's his grace lavished upon you as well as his love. Work is a gift from God, certainly, and he's given you six days for it. Rest in his word and sacrament on the seventh day. Vacation and leisure time, these also are a gift from God. Don't use that time to take a vacation from Christ and from his word and sacrament. If you are of able body and of able mind, dear Christians, you should be in church. If your health does not allow you to physically be in worship, then God be praised for the gift of technology and what we're able to do with live streaming. Most of us here present today, we are blessed by God beyond our ability to count it. We have so much to be thankful for, and indeed, thanks be to God. But let us not use those gifts of God as excuses to absent ourselves from the gathering of Christ's body around his word and sacrament. Do not let the cares and riches and pleasures of this life become the thing which chokes you off from Christ's word. In his word, baptism, absolution, and in his holy supper, we have the greatest treasures that we will receive on this side of paradise. Therefore, let us confess our sins and rest and rejoice in the grace and mercy of God, which is ours in Christ Jesus and in his many gifts. Now, fourth and finally is the good soil. Our Lord says, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and they bear fruit with patience. Dear Christians, you may be wondering who could possibly be good soil at this point. We know the word of God does not return empty. We know the word of God accomplishes God's purposes. Therefore, there must be some good soil, some Christians who hear the word, hold it fast in honest and good hearts and bear fruit. But who? Jesus teaches us that simply hearing his word, while necessary for salvation, does not guarantee salvation. Our trust is not in hearing the word. Rather, our trust and our faith is in the one of whom the word speaks, Jesus, our Savior. We trust Jesus. We have faith in Jesus. Jesus is the sower who sows on all manner of soil. And again, his grace and his mercy are reflected in this. He is gratuitous and gracious with the spreading of his seed. You see, he would rather his word be trampled and snatched and scorched and choked than that we poor sinners should be without it. Such is the love of God for sinners that Christ came for our salvation. You see, Christ's word is like him. Jesus is the word that was sown on the stone pavement as he stood trial before Pilate and was taken away by the devil. Jesus is the word that was sown on that rocky hill called Golgotha where he sprang up on the cross and then withered away, giving himself over to death so that all who believe in him would never die. That's you. Jesus is the word that was sown among the thorns of the chief priests and scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, those who competed with Jesus out of love for the world and then rejoiced when they thought they had choked him off and proved him unfruitful. However, it was by sowing himself on our wretched soil, by dying and rising, that he made a little plot of good soil. People who are saved for his sake. Rejoice, dear Christians. You are the Lord's planting by the power of his spirit. Therefore, blessed are you who hear the word of God and keep it. Blessed are the baptized who are born of the seed of the word, joined to water. Blessed are you who are the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Blessed are you who are fed and nourished by the word made flesh, who feeds you his body and his blood for your forgiveness, life, and salvation. Indeed, blessed are you. For you, the Lord's chosen, shall go out in joy in this life and in the next. He who has planted you and tended you, 
He shall lead you forth in eternal peace, for this is yours in Christ Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord of the harvest, send forth laborers into your harvest, that we may be preserved in the pure teaching of your saving word, whereby faith toward you is strengthened, charity increased in us toward all, and your kingdom extended in all the world. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Lord of the harvest, bless all Christian homes that your word would be sown and produce much fruit. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Lord of the harvest, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Lord of the harvest, grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially Joseph, our president, Michael, our governor, and all those who serve in our armed forces. Endue them with wisdom so that they may serve to the maintenance of righteousness and the hindrance of punishment and the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of the harvest, be with all who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity. We especially pray for those who are suffering for your name and truth. We pray for Bernice White, Ron Gibson, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips. Comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of the harvest, grant that in true faith we may worthily go to your altar to receive the very body and true blood that your Son has given for our redemption. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that through your Son, Jesus Christ, you have sown your holy word among us. Prepare our hearts by your Holy Spirit that we may diligently and reverently hear your word, keep it in good hearts, and bring forth fruit with patience, and that we may not incline to sin, but subdue it by your power, and in all persecutions comfort ourselves with your grace and continual help. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, again, welcome and good morning to you all here as we rejoice in receiving the Lord's word and sacrament, his grace for us. A handful of announcements as we go into this week, actually quite a few, more than just a handful. It's probably more like two handfuls. Uh, First of which, this one's not actually in the bulletin. Choir uh, will begin again this Wednesday at 7 p.m., so please note Trinity Chorale. That practice begins this Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thanks uh, also to Eric this morning for uh, filling in for us uh, at the organ. we also have, uh, oh, uh, handbells. If you're interested in handbells, please talk to Sarah Bibb. She has some uh, sheets where you can fill out some information. It's not only contact information, but just some things that are going to help her um, and it co- as it comes to organizing uh, bell choir uh, or handbell choir here at Trinity. So please talk again to uh, Mrs. Bibb if you are interested in handbells. Of course, immediately following service, Sunday school and Bible study. 
And then uh, tomorrow, 1.30 p.m., we'll continue our Esther Bible study as we are looking at uh, selected chapters from the book of Isaiah. That's been a real treat. And so um, I look forward to seeing uh, folks there at that time. Tuesday, uh, and note the time change, Tuesday of this week, uh, we're having the Trinity Women's Meeting at 6 p.m. Due to the inclement weather last week, they were not able to hold that meeting, so it's been moved to this coming Tuesday at 6 p.m. And then after that at 7 p.m. will be uh, Women's Theology on Tap over at the Parsonage. So do please join us for that. The Trinity Women's Meeting held here, uh, and then Theology on Tap over at the Parsonage. Then Wednesday, midweek at 3.30, followed by confirmation, or with confirmation rather, and then a workout class at 6 p.m. in the auditorium, and then also again, choir at 7 p.m. starting this Wednesday, and then Thursday, men's theology on tap at 7 p.m., and that will this week uh, be over at the Slabratory, that is uh, Kyle Durham's uh, woodworking shop over here on South Pine, uh, so we thank him for hosting. Also, the Lutheran Confessions Reading Group, the next meeting is Tuesday, March 1st. I know we're in February. It sounds like March is a long way off, but it really isn't. And then the following day will be Ash Wednesday, so we'll start Lent in earnest at that time. New member class, the next meeting will also be Tuesday, March 1st, again, because we do not meet on those Tuesdays where we have Women's Theology on tap. And then also a save the date, uh, Saturday, March 5th, we will have that Saturday morning school or Saturday school, which will be on family catechesis, teaching the faith at home, begins at 9, concludes at 11.30. And also a circuit event, this is not here in the announcements, uh, but this coming Saturday, uh, there is an outreach event which will be held at um, St. John's in Brunswick. Uh, it was in the bulletin a couple of weeks ago. That still continues to be something that's coming up, so don't lose sight of that. Uh, and I believe that then brings me to the end of the announcements. Anything I may have missed? All right. Well, that being said, uh, rejoice in the Lord's word that it has indeed been planted in you, given you the gift of faith in Christ Jesus. And we rejoice in the gifts that we receive from him, especially forgiveness, life and salvation, that promise of Zion. Oh, that the Lord would return soon and he shall. God's peace be with you. I'll greet you at the door.